my love for tattooing happened a really long time ago i'm talking a very long time ago a year called 1996 this was the year i turned 8 and i had access to watching tv all by myself unless i did have to be often accompanied by my dad when i had to watch anything that was tagged pg13 a greater influence to understanding global culture was my dad and brother Both the men in the family were pro action movies, travel and music. This was around the same time Baywatch was your staple action series. And I absolutely didn't have any idea why people iconized actors like Pamela Anderson or David Hasselhoff. I was caught in the wave and I then stumbled upon a movie called Barb Wire, which again featured Pamela Anderson. Yes, I found the fact of a woman in skin-tight leathers completely amusing, but nothing beats kicking ass and sporting a barbed wire tattoo. That was very impressive. And that was when I turned to dad and I asked him what that armband on her hand was, and that's when he said, "That's a tattoo." He obviously wasn't as informed and went on to saying that it was something sailors or frontline men sported back in the day as a mark of identification. He also added that it was some sort of a symbolic thing you'd earn in a few cultures. Around this time, I cycled around the neighborhood a lot. I often filled my mouth with a lot of bubble gum and riding my cycle around passing by my friend's place. When one of them introduced me to this bubblegum called Boomer. Now, back in the day, Boomer was legit. Guess what I found inside of them? A stick-on tattoo. Man, did the fact that something stuck on your body seem so cool at this point that I went around flaunting my fresh and shiny stick-on tattoo of a very realistic picture of the stretchy man? Mr Boomer This often followed a very painful process of scrubbing it off coconut toil courtesy of my grandmother So I collected a bunch of these stickers took dad's help got them stuck around my arm like my first ever barbed wire armband tattoo It was temporary of course just that my barbed wire tattoo had Mr Boomer's An armband wire or a barbed wire tattoo was an actual thing which eventually died but I still vouch for it. I mean the barbed wire tattoo back in the day was as iconic as the recent Jason Momoa tattoo. It was done so much to death and turned out so cliché that it was again the demise of a trend. But that was just a momentary milestone in my life until the year 2003 came about and I was the average Avril Lavigne fan. This was a very conscious phase of adolescence. As much as I watched my brother grow up to heavy metal and psychedelic rock, I was that sibling who gravitated to other genres like punk rock and hip hop. Here I was watching icons like Ice Cube and his infamous three dot tattoo, or even Chester take the highest pitch into the mic, flaunting his ever popular flame tattoo that went down his wrist. 
I'm talking about an era where trying to take a closer look at these tattoos was a hit or miss on TV. But then there was an internet cafe I'd always go to wishing I could just get them all written down on a CD, but that never happened. What a generation. I mean, tattoos have become a part of our identities. Same time, I was in a boarding school with absolutely no access to internet. My creative feed was off of all the visual memories left from browsing the internet during my vacation or even going through the pages of a magazine in the library and simply trying to replicate those images as drawings in my sketchbook. This was when I decided to draw myself. I envisioned myself covered in tattoos with an underlip piercing, which I later sported in college. I was 19 when I got my first tattoo. Fortunately, I was part of a design school that embraced diversity. So being different was very normal around the school until when I dropped out of school and explored the whole art of tattooing right after I got my first tattoo. I guess for me it was a very natural process of exploring skin as a medium of art. Just like most, I watched LA Inc. and I thought to myself, isn't Kat Von D fucking radical? On this episode, I'd like to speak of a radical topic, the word disruptive. It definitely is done to death and overused to the grave and whatnot for a word. Eventually, a word so mighty had its own demise, just like the barbed wire tattoo. But for the rest of us, the very first time, and for others, still a fresh definition when you hear the word disruptive. I'd be lying if I said that the past few days I didn't go desperate. In fact, my brain went super saturated and I'm still in awe of how the last 48 hours magically turned to 21 days. I've been trying to figure out what the word disruptive would mean. I'm also waiting for my third eye to magically open, but that didn't happen. I guess urging my pineal gland to hyperactivate itself isn't working out well, so I've decided to think it out loud in this episode and just go with the flow. So what is disruptive? I don't really know. The last I heard this word was probably when I was in school reading about volcanoes where my teacher was like, volcanoes are disruptive in nature. But I strongly feel it is a word that can be associated with a human quality, just like volcanoes. Anger can be a disruptive emotion, sadness too. But if I figured something, it was how this human quality can be used in the past few days. I've also done some research and found some interesting behavioral patterns of a few people I bumped into professionally, at least in the recent past, and I'm going to throw some spotlight and thoughts that I have on them. So I did some research and I stumbled upon a few characters who might be quoting in this episode. There's author and writer of the book, Innovation for Underdogs, and an inventor of the world's 
greatest and commercially successful internet firewall, David Bensack. Then there's a renowned Renaissance philosopher and a boy, Alexander's right-hand man, Aristotle. And then Our Lady of the Hour, fictional, mythological, I leave it to your imagination, straight out of India, Goddess Kali. Looking back at my journey, I recall talking to someone who said, I was on this disruptive entrepreneurial program at IIM. Jesus, as much as I sat through that pompous ordeal, I couldn't help but think to myself, isn't disruptive thinking the whole point of wanting to be an entrepreneur or perhaps a creator? And why do people pay a truckload just to be a part of the summit while you can do so many other things for innovative thinking or simply enroll to a TED talk? David Pensack comes to mind here where he quotes, Curiosity may have killed the cat, but it is the life of the underdog. After you've defined a problem, your obvious next step is to find an innovative solution. But finding the creative spark to light a groundbreaking fire doesn't require you to crack open your skull and pick apart your brain for traces of genius. He also quotes, In fact, you needn't look for solutions inside yourself at all because the answers to all your questions abound in the world around you. Now this is my favorite part where he also says, simple curiosity about the processes and nature of a world is what inspires the genius inside of every underdog. Innovation is not a miraculous byproduct of some extraordinary cognitive process. Rather, innovation demands only that the innovator consider his or her surroundings and put its raw materials to use in a novel way. This excerpt is from the chapter, The Answer is Right Under Your Nose. And my answer was right under mine. (laughs) Now, let's just process the simplicity that just got served to us on a freaking platter. Think about it, as humans, this is our biggest battle. We're all driven by emotions and how we ping pong between a thought and an emotion that follows. I recall around five years ago, when I was sitting in my bathroom, first thing in the morning, staring at the wall, out of nowhere, a subconscious thought arose in my head in my favorite nagging friend's voice saying, Navya, You're going to be 30 in 3 years. Settle down, you need a man in your life. Which obviously then followed up with the next few years of where I made absolutely odd choices and had severe breakups until one day when I sat down and I asked myself, Who am I and what do I really want? And no, I'm definitely not going to turn this into an episode of self-conflicting teen drama on the flicks. But I'm definitely going for the word, the process. I think if I didn't turn around and ask myself, who am I and what do I want? I'd probably been relentlessly for the sake searching for an ideal partner rather than just letting it be. I've been definitely driven by my emotions, forgetting what thoughts stirred it all in the first place. And I assume a lot of us struggle with the same process of how to react to a thought, not realizing the answers are a lot closer than we realize. 
and clearly there will be a time when we arrive at confronting this thought with yet another challenging thought rather succumb to emotions in my case it was am i really accommodative at this point of time simply worked simply questioning the thought system worked i mean we also blame a society who ironically are us who create and follow quite often forget that it all starts with us as a result rational thinking gets completely out of hand and if i had to rationalize an answer when people ask me this grand question of why i wanted to be a tattoo artist i guess it comes down to wanting tattoos and then being able to make them on myself nothing deep just something very simple my coach ajit who happens to be running a bunch of mma gyms and a pro league called x1 fighting across the country prefer to label the term outlier considering disruptive is an overused term in his words disruptive thinking is inevitable change is the only constant and disruptive thinkers are the harbingers of change simply because they don't see the lines drawn by others this is extremely fancy phrasing and probably the other reason why i completely adore mr sigamani now he was one of the male figures i looked up to he was never easy on me his choreograph with a purposeful mission was quite inspiring he taught us a thing or two on the quality of results quality control on every task was purely embodied to a consciousness which then transcended into most things we did because it meant sensible thinking was incorporated at work and it meant deep rooted commitment i'm starting to feel if disruptive people or outliers are people who have this deep emotional sense of purpose which may arise my next question what is purpose and is it fucking necessary does this whole thing about purpose have everything to do with me or is my purpose external i'll leave you guys to ponder upon the same while i'm reminded of apple i think they're the greatest example of entrepreneurs with groundbreaking thinking and a purpose the purpose simply to add value to people's lives and that purpose was an obvious outcome of one of the simplest range of smart gadgets that most operating systems lacked quite often we confuse ourselves to thinking groundbreaking is the end game well that's debatable in most cases we don't choose to look at yield or money as a byproduct and instead focus on why innovate why innovate in the first place okay when i say innovate remember chetnar chinese it did create disruption for a while in the food industry until it lost all of its charm and got doable at home like the many other blasphemous inauthentic combinations we whip in our kitchens i know you all be eating ketchup and biscuit and yogurt and what not but not everything rebellious essentially will sell on a long run but rather understanding why shouldn't it will probably endure your return on your investment 
I feel watching Padmashri Kamal Hassan in a Maniratnam's movie or any of Irfan Khan's poignant movies is worth my money just for the sake of pure acting. These people are famous for their method acting skills so much so that the emphasis on character had made method acting an important choice for viewers at a time when most of us were dying watching the same old cliche melodrama over and over. Now one of my favorites Nikola Tesla was formerly an undermined inventor he introduced alternative current I'm sure you guys are aware of ACDC and not the band alternative current and direct current I bet you know this inventor went on to help build power generators for hydropower plants at Niagara fucking falls This is how it trickled down to the mechanism even in our tattoo machines that's revolution and this applies to custom tattoos also for this we'd have to understand how custom tattoos work usually suppose i'm looking for a tattoo of someone special the normal route is to either get their name done in any readily available uh, font of the internet or the usual mom dad whatever relationship i share with them kind of a tattoo but a custom tattoo studio arises the need for a client to opt for curated services what makes my experience a lot more special is right from how i'm consulted to figuring out which artist i'd like to go with by looking at their portfolios say at iron buzz india's most preferred custom tattoo studio has reputed artists like eric jason de souza offer me something grand of his style of expertise from scratch while another artist like adesh would offer me something way different from anybody else in the studio this way i have an array of choices and i go apeshit with the fact that each of them have their own original approach i would narrow it down to what do i really want then we have the option of choosing instead of simply being assigned to any artist in the studio but most studios follow this religion known as copy work now i'm not saying copying and pasting anything available on the internet is bad but the difference is what am i going home with as a client is this worth breaking my piggy bank hell yes because it is an artist's real art on the canvas that is your body and it's yours to keep for the rest of your life this is what makes custom tattooing disruptive another example is a tattoo culture spell c u l t a that's south asia stop tattoo search now in a time where people would still ask around by word of mouth or google an artist it's gotten as simple as browsing through a glossary of only tattoo artists across the country or the continent with whom i could imagine getting a tattoo or even afford what school is that they have some of the most intellectual write ups in their blogs i think searching for an artist with an insight to current events on a larger picture only makes my experience a lot more worthwhile and of course my mainstream favorites like einstein steve jobs elon musk stanley kubrick james cameron 
Jimi Hendrix and the entire inspirational bandwagon shone so bright in their time with their disruptive movements we all know of. And part of disruptive is not a one-time deal. It's like building a brand. Nothing disruptive ever happened once. It happened once and then people continue to do more disruptive things. It's something we do over and over to a point that a larger mass of audiences normalizes this in their perception. If not, it at least makes it a category called acquired taste. This reminds me of a quote by Aristotle. We are what we repeatedly do. Excellence then is not an act but a habit. And yes, disruptive is consistent and consistency is always the fucking key. So here's something that got me thinking. Is disruptive something we do anything to give our lives for unconditionally? So a little before I decided to set my own studio up, I did my time at a place where I decided to stick around to customizing my work as a tattoo artist, simply wanting to stay true to myself and all in the mere attempt of wanting to give my clients the benefit of originality. In a day's work I recall an ongoing discussion if custom was necessary. As I was fighting the odds of not wanting to settle down for the infinity and arrow mark tattoo considering a lot of people go for the usual. So I had my colleague who was then a top-notch worker say some people like the easy route like me and some people like the other route like you. I'm not sure what he meant but yes original work has to speak volumes of what it represents which is a lot of fucking work. I personally feel the difference between my then colleague and I lies in our purpose as tattoo artists. What are we delivering on the body of our clients who break piggy banks and trust us the most? Are we educating them enough to understand the choices they have? So this brings me to the part where I left you guys hanging. Remember what is purpose and is it necessary? A sense of originality embodies the word disruptive. When someone can offer something so alien and yet deliver something pleasing to the eye is legit disruptive. In days when every other person is hashtag #inspirational, what really attracts an outlier or a client who wants edge is a sense of originality. Considering this, my conflict in my career as a tattoo artist had come around the whole thought log of why the fuck should anybody anybody literally be a tattoo artist? I'm sure people with a lot of experience would have felt the same about me, which is why one of the best advices I've ever received was to keep drawing, to keep sketching and to keep practicing at least a sketch a day. Now treating a profession as just a job can be one of the most demeaning forms of not having to meet one's own purpose. I strongly feel so because I woke up this morning to this beautiful quote that said, "A good leader raises a whole new set of leaders." All this while I feel like I ranted about generic tattoos, but I have to point it out that this is really not on the people who want to get tattooed, but This responsibility to give better tattoos falls on tattoo artists. And boy, this is probably going to get me a lot of flack, 
but here's my request to tattoo schools. Let's not produce only tattooists who ace photorealism and cannot think beyond when given a sketchbook because the shitty thought that anyone can be a tattoo artist is as done to death as the word disruptive. And clearly there's nothing new about this. Instead, when you raise artists who are not crash course enthusiasts, I'm guessing the standard of tattoo culture in our country is going to go berserk in some of the most profound ways. I'm not trying to crash talk or breed hate, which on the contrary, I do strongly believe that starting off with realism is one of the best ways of understanding crude technicalities of art. And neither am I trying to put down any of my listeners. But think about it, there's so much science to tattooing, understanding skin colors, textures, and how to produce some legit work. Look at this as how are we putting our portfolios in order to make the place we represent look good enough. As an ink collector wanting to be a client, I look for an artist who I can resonate with. Or if I was not even an artist, I'd simply want a tattoo artist who would choose to literally pen down what I'm looking for and visually portray the same. Not because I want any of the usual, you know, element or feather tattoo, but because he or she understands why I'm getting this tattoo done in the first place. I find it absolutely disturbing as a client if I walked into a tattoo shop and was being pushed to simply get something off of the internet. I mean, why do I want something fresh off the first or second page of Google on my freaking body? I love my skin and if there's anything, I want my tattoo to tell my story. I want it to be so unique that it doesn't have to be a regularly searched Google image. This way, uh, we as artists would have a sense of extreme diversity and in turn as a client, I wouldn't mind saving up for a good tattoo. Win-win for all of us, but nobody wants to deal with that kind of disruption. I understand we absolutely live in a social construct where being hardcore fans and worshipping a cult goes unsaid, but as existing or budding artists, How are we choosing to educate ourselves? Are we finding mentors who are busy decking the halls with the prefix, award-winning or blindly buying a crash course that goes by anything that means learn it like a roadrunner? It may not make any sense now, but someday realizing that choosing a mentor who you'd want to learn under is key. Because let's be honest, If disruptive is consistency, why would you do a crash course when you could be doing an apprenticeship literally shadowing the footsteps of your mentor for at least a year? But no, we settle for a shortcut and is just as good as watching an open heart surgery on YouTube and calling ourselves surgeons. I strongly feel as artists, our purpose should lie in quality art rather than chasing quantity just to get our sales numbers up at our given studios. I'm taking a note to myself, the next time I'm at a studio and I'm asked to do yet another couple's tattoo or an ECG line with a freaking heart in a different colour, I guess 
I'll hang my gloves and find a new space for myself. There are so many popular styles of tattooing like hand poke, typographies, abstractism and everything unconventional. But at least in our scene what I've observed is that there's only a smaller percentage of people making unconventional tattoos take the spotlight while your mainstream tattoos are hogging a larger portion of the limelight. So much so that we see celebrities with not so great looking tattoos. The idea is to demand better standards and get a unique tattoo and you should demand that as well. Is this because we choose what's a lot easier and makes us some quick money and we settle for what's cheaper? Do we even ask ourselves if this is anywhere true to our conscience doing enough justice to our clientele? On that note, anything inauthentic lacks a sense of character from its roots. Which is why my friends, some artists quote you much less and some don't. Unless you are a celebrity tattoo artist who has quite the knack for fancy words like the prefix celebrity, that ought to make you an extra buck with a clusterfuck of blah tattoos on the gram. Clean work is appreciated but blah work is unforgivable. Tattoo conventions. As much as we have some brilliant organizers and artists host this sense of culture celebration, I don't see a lot of people from my city show up. But I've definitely heard a lot of people say matcha is just politics and favoritism. Oh, or my f- personal favorite, I'm not about winning awards. <sighs> this dude, Aristotle, was quite an opinionated man, which is why he's my favorite. I'm sure he stirred a lot of controversy back in the day and he quotes It is the mark of an educated mind to be able to entertain a thought without accepting it. Educating the mind without educating the heart is no education at all. So years ago I was a total basic bitch. I lived under a rock. This is when I just started attending conventions as a newbie, finding groups and I was a total hopper. I was exactly this code that literally got me my answer as to why I should ditch an ego that is only holding me back and be a lot more willing to take criticism from people who've been in the business for a while. Constructive criticism as an artist may be one of the most uncomfortable to gulp down, but I assure you, learning to take criticism is going to help you as good as getting used to a tampon that can save you from a massacre of disaster. You can take my word for that. And yes, growth is disruptive. Speaking of menstruation, I've been musing over this mythological character Kali. I've been reading a lot and educating myself on goddess Kali that our nation worships. It's funny we don't question why we call her a goddess and yet associate her to just death and destruction. The further I learned, the more I figured way long ago, much before our arguments of feminism or even matriarchy versus patriarchy ever arrived, we were all equal. In fact, Kali predominantly worshipped amidst the southern part of the country 
associated her to openly embracing sexuality, motherhood and the concept of survival or even bringing a sense of humanity to Shiva with her sensuality otherwise Shiva was known as shove or a dead body she joined allies at epic battles she was nothing but ever so consuming of humanity and nature now back in the 90s they would have stereotyped her to a silk smitha <laughs> she was basically lethal most often associated with the word trouble but in her defense any character is to one's own imagination post colonization the western world thought worshiping kali was something that that they found absolutely absurd think about it i think we were good pre invasion my moment of educating myself and not just stereotyping a kali to just the goddess of death happened the very moment i associated with these tattoo festivals and conventions across our country and i started connecting with a lot of people who be nothing but unconventional and man the more i frequented the more i fell in love with my profession and the more i wanted to sit down with my tattoo clients and explain aesthetics i mean isn't this the whole point of tattooing etching stories marking an intimate emotion or pure expression in some of the most out of the box ways that's when i grew up and i'm still growing up as i embrace what i learn on a daily and simply take feedback from my fellow artists in the right light if there's anything i've realized that disruptive would mean to me is is definitely not being called the king of my own jungle let's face it earning a reputation amidst ignorance and not challenging your knowledge is definitely as empowering as it can get very stagnating and i think most of us grew up in a dominantly disruptive time remember that phase generation next it was about revolution disruptive is the very nature of revolution Revolution is necessary on a daily if there has to be an eventual change. What happened to transitioning ourselves onto different mediums of art forms as artists to find our ways to living inspired? What happened to experimentalism? Are we busy being bothered about who the best tattoo artist is at conventions and yap about favoritism while the whole idea of a convention is that is just a big fat wedding for the community? It still gets to my head when a misinformed client walks in with the opportunity of gaining perspective and we're doing nothing about this on a personal level. In my defense, art is subjective. If I ever ran a school, I'd have art appreciation festivals instead of competitions. About time we start questioning our systems of thinking and see things in a new light. it trickles down a lot more deeper than we realize like what are the newer batches of artists grasping so are we disruptive enough to rise above outlines to rise beyond staccato system of thinking and are we just disruptive enough to challenge ourselves and what we bring to the table about time we start talking about what's important rather than shy away from the very word information Think about it as artists we spend hours in flow state of mind which is pretty much equal to 
meditation, rasas, a self-discovering psychoactive trip, you name it. And yet, we succumb to not wanting to define what tattoo culture even reflects off of us. Are we willing as professions to give in to everything that's about contributing to our beautifully diverse community or culture through our art and not just race to be the best? And are we just unconditionally bound and emotionally invested in the artwork we produce? Here's me sending a lot of love to all the artists and everyone listening to this, including you. And make sure you guys subscribe to our channel wherever you hear us and follow our Instagram page for notifications of the next fresh episode. Until then, ask yourselves, are we disruptive? Have a lovely week ahead. This is Navya Rao. I am a tattoo artist and I'm here to pick your creative brain. Peace out.